your life and the names that you've had in your life, whether they were good or bad, whether they're the official title that are on your birth certificate, on your birth certificate, or whether they're nicknames or other unofficial names. You know, my birth certificate says Robert, but I've never, ever gone by Robert, except when my wife's really mad at me or when my grandpa was still alive. I've always been a robber or Robbie. And there's something to that name. But I've always been curious about my middle name, Thomas. Why did, why did my parents choose that name? But there are so many other names that, that I really don't get to spend a lot of time thinking about Thomas or Robert. I think about the other names that I can't say in front of little children. The names from grade school and middle school and few in high school, several more in college. And those names, they just do something different to me. They remind me of times that, that I couldn't do anything or change anything about me because of these labels. Have you put a label on yourself? Have you believed somebody, somebody else's name for you? Maybe that's the thing that you need to change. See, if we want to fail forward, we have to let God change us. And I think there's some ways we do that, but just, if you will, hear it out with me. If, why do we need to let God change us? I think when people experience failure, they do one of two things most of the time. They either deny any part of being the problem, or they fixate on themselves as the only part of the problem. This happens often when we're in school, I, but I hear it from adults too. Like, we deny our part in the failure. Um, we say things like, well, I would have done well on the math test if the teacher wouldn't have made it so hard. Or, or you know... Even, even adults, like, it wasn't my fault my alarm didn't go off. Or, or, well, it's my boss's fault that I didn't get a raise. And we, we just deny any part of, of what we could have in that. But the other side of that is we fixate on ourselves as the only part of the problem. We must be all of the problem. We say things like, I'll never be good at math. I'm just not a math person. Or, or I'll... I'll I'll never be punctual. I can't set an alarm right. Or I, I just can't change myself, so I'll never get a raise. I just always do those things. Uh, so I can't ever do this. If you've ever heard yourself saying one of those two things, or maybe both of those things at different times, then would you just explore this idea of letting God change you? Maybe giving you a new name. See, I think it starts with listening to what God says about you. Abram is told that his new name would be Abraham, this father of many. This also is not just an identifier, it's an identity. That, that nations, numerous nations, numerous people would come from him. And Sarai, and Sarah, like that name, 
both those names mean princess, okay? So, so why then is that one changed if they both mean princess? I mean, Abram means exalted father, and Abraham means father of many, and Sarai and Sarah both mean princess. But, okay, so remember when Sarah, Sarai, went down to Egypt with Abraham back in uh, Genesis 12, I believe, yeah, Genesis 12, um, what did the conversation be? Uh, wait, you're like smoking hot. So uh, that's the 2015 translation. Try to go with me. It's like very beautiful. You are a princess. Okay, she's 65 at the time. So if you've ever heard or you've ever said to a woman, you've called a woman a princess when she's over 10. Let's just go with over 10. What type of title are you intending if you were the one who said it? Or was the other person intending if they said it? Maybe it's suck it up princess, or maybe it's um, denoting more possibly their looks. Isn't it amazing that 4,000 years ago, like people actually identified people based on their looks? They kind of, they kind of, um, you know, judge them on the surface. Isn't it amazing how we've progressed in 4,000 years? That we don't do that? Oh, wait. Wait. See, Sarah has a choice. Sarah can listen to what God says about her. That no longer will she be a princess based on her looks but she will be a princess, literally a queen, because of what will come from her. That she will be the queen mother of many nations, and even kings will come from her. Not because of what she looks like, not because of the surface of her skin, but because of what will come from her. Because of her faith. See, I really believe that some of you don't like yourself because of your looks. That some of you still remember, like me, what people said way, way back, like eons ago, 10 years. Now, that wasn't enough time for some of us, like, or not enough money, because it's not going to change it, because I still remember those names from before, 10 years before that. And I would say that that some of you don't like yourself because of your looks, not because of your looks, but because of what others have said about your looks. You've been called ugly, or you've been called stupid. To this, or to that, or not enough of this, or not enough of that. Now, maybe those people loved you, or said they loved you, and maybe they didn't. But there is a God of the universe who says that he knew you before you were conceived. And he calls you beautiful. And he chooses you. That's what gives you value. Not your looks, or your money, or where you're from, or what you do, or what you have. Amen? The God of the universe says that you have value. Because he created you and he loves you. That's what gives you worth. That's the person who, who I need to listen to what he says about me. And Sarah and Abraham, 
have a choice in doing so. And in order for us to do that, we've got to listen. What has God said about you? From his word? From other godly people? What has he said that you're good at? What has he said he's called you to? You're very, and you don't have to be, you know, super spiritual to, to have God call you to do something. You just have to listen and be available. But in order to really let God change us, we've got to not just hear what he says about us. We've got to accept the truth, the good and the bad of that. Because so often I just want to present the good stuff and, and leave the bad stuff back here. But if we're going to really move forward in our faith and, and fail forward and try new things, then we've got to accept our part in our failures. Not, not deny them, not fixate on them, but just accept our part. Like, how did I think in that situation? Or what did I do or not do in that situation? Put it outside of us and just look at it. See, in all the years that God has been making promises to Abraham, he's never asked Abraham for a response. He's just been making promises to him for 24 years, and now he asks for a response. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless, which is not perfect. It means whole integrity. Walk before me is the Hebrew way of saying, live out your life with me, with integrity. Be wholly committed to me. Now, yes, I'm going to protect you, but I'm also going to watch you to see if you're committed to me. To see if you're going to put your whole life before me and let me work through you. Be committed to me and my ways. I will be your God. God is not saying, if you do this, Abraham, I'll do this, and it's a business partnership. It's, it's more like marriage language. God wants to be his God. And all the people behind him, because it is about that relationship. But part of what Abraham has to accept is that all of the hopes and all of the prayers and all of the dreams that he's put in Ishmael are not the promised heir. He's not the chosen one. Now, God, Abraham asked to bless him. Abraham asked to bless him, and God does. He makes him a great name, gives him a great nation, many descendants. So many of the same things that God is promising to the future true heir, but just not where the covenant is going to come through. I get this sense that God, this God that, that we see in the Bible that reveals himself in Jesus, actually is really open to having anyone from any background, any ethnicity, anything to be his follower and to be one of the people that he will accept. You don't just have to be the special chosen one. If you want to walk before God, live faithfully, trust him, he'll accept you. It doesn't matter where you've come from. I mean, God just seems to make it so clear in this. But God doesn't, this is important for us. I, I really see that God in this, when, when Abram, Abraham asks for Isaac to be or Ishmael to be blessed, God doesn't get mad at him. God doesn't say that was a mistake. God doesn't say all those prayers, they were wasted. They were nothing. God doesn't say that. God goes, I've heard your prayer. I'll bless him. It's not wasted. If you've gone in a direction and you're like, I've put 12 years into this or I put 12 months into this or, and now it's wrong. No, God doesn't waste that. Failures are like training grounds for changing. 
for being conformed to him, for being faithful to him, because he loves us. So if you're, if you're stuck in this realm of like, I've, I've done all this and I put so much and it's wrong, that's just not what we see here. We've got to accept our part in the failure. But when we do, we stop repeating the mistakes. There's this poem that's, that's an autobiography in five short chapters. It starts with, I walk down the street. Uh, there's a hole, a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. It's not my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the street, the same street. There's a hole in the sidewalk. I fall in again. It's still dark. I'm still lost. I can't see, but it's not my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I still fall in. But this time, I open my eyes. I know where I am. I'm not lost anymore. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, we'll talk about next week. See, when we can admit it, we stop repeating it. And after this, we see a much different Abraham because he's let God work in him. That's the last thing, to really let God change us. We not only have to see and listen to what God says and accept our part in the mistakes, we then invite God to work through us. Abraham and Sarah, they both get H's, like in the Hebrew, they both get H's in their name. Yahweh is God's name. He has two H's. He gives them each one for their names because he wants to be in them. And he wants to be in you and me too. He wants to work through us. The blessings that Abraham and Sarah had aren't just for Abraham and Sarah. Because of Jesus, they're for us. It's exactly what Galatians tells us. Galatians 3, 26 says, For you are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. So you're his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Because of what Christ has done, the blessing and the call and the promises that God gave to Abraham and Sarah, he gives to you. He gives to me. To be blessed because of Jesus, to be a blessing to the world because the world needs hope. The world needs love. The world sits in their mistakes and they either deny them or they fixate on them. They need someone to just give truth to them and love to them. Where are you at today? Because you don't have to work for a church. You don't have to be a missionary to let God work through you. You can invite God to work in your life and in your work and in your day. And when you do, when you really let God change you, everything changes. Everything. If you believe God loves you, which he does, he's crazy about you. And you believe that he adopts you as one of his children, 
because he does. He claims you as his own. That gives you value. He wants to bless you. See, we don't have to undergo circumcision anymore because God, Jesus has fulfilled this sign from Abraham. But he does give us two signs for us called communion and baptism. Baptism is this identifier as part of God's family. And communion is this reminder and this pledge, this commitment to be God's again. To believe what, who Jesus is and to believe what he's done. We affirm, we pledge our allegiance, if you will. We affirm our commitment to the King of kings and Lord of lords that we'll go his way. That he loves us and we love him. And if, no matter what your church background, what your faith background, if you're saying, okay, I'm, I, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's the king of kings, that he fulfilled the promises of Abraham, then come to the feast at his table. This is just a sign of it. This bread and this, this cup. But the feast is dwelling in God's presence. Having him provide for our needs. And having us worship and honor him with our lives. This is what he comes with. Because God, here's the deal. God can do far more with your life if he's in it than you can do on your own. So why not invite him in? You know, after the initial shock from mom and dad via check, they started to say, okay, by faith, by faith, we're going to trust God every day to raise this child the best we know how. We don't really know how, but we'll just love him. We'll tell him he's special. We'll tell him he's beautiful. We'll tell him that God has plans for him. One little foot that he calls a chicken, chicken drumstick because it's got like a toe and a half. That's all he's got. This man, in three years, spoke over a thousand times. He's spoken to more than 4.5 million people in person. He has 30,000 invitations to speak around the world. He's written two books. He's surfed. He's spoken to five congresses. He's met seven presidents and one billion people in the world. No. Nick Vujicic is. Because a guy with no arms and no legs believed that God wanted to work through him. And he keeps a pair of shoes, he says. He keeps a pair of shoes in his closet because, you know, God could do a miracle. But if he doesn't, he's, he's already learned that God can use him to be a miracle in someone else's life. That's what God wants for you and I. So if you think you're limited because of your failures, look at Nick. He swims. He surfs. He gives people hope. And he's not the God of the universe. Can't Christ do more in your life? I invite the communion servers to come up. And as we prepare for communion, I just invite you to think about how God wants to work in your life. How you can listen to what God says about you. You can accept your good and your bad in failure. And you can invite him to work in you. So, what would happen if you did? Wouldn't your life start to be transformed? Wouldn't your relationships start to be restored? And your friendships 
be restored in your marriage and your family be changed your work could be restored transformed people could be blessed and you could see a different you the one that god truly sees on the night that jesus went to the cross to die for our sins the night before this he took bread and he lifted it before his disciples and he says this is my body and it's broken for you take and eat every one of you and remember me when you do at the end of the meal he took the cup he poured wine into it and he said this cup is the sign of the new covenant sealed in my blood drink of it every one of you. And when you do, remember me. Anytime we eat this bread or drink this cup, we are proclaiming Christ's death and his resurrection until he comes again. Will you come? Meet with God. Come when you're ready. You can take time up at the front, take the bread, dip it in the cup after I serve the communion servers. And then if you want more time to reflect or pray or you have gluten-free needs, you can come to the back and we can serve you there. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word and this time. And now as we partake of your, your feast, we pray that we would hear your words of acceptance and your words of sacrifice and your words of love.
stand as we close and first remember who you are. Remember that you have value because of God, because he loves you, because he gave himself for you, because he chose you. Bring yourself wholly to him. And in that, remember whose you are, that this is the God of the universe, the God who makes beautiful things from the dust of our mistakes. The one who says, is anything too hard for me? If you're facing a problem that is just too huge, remember, God starts at huge. If you could do it on your own, he wouldn't get the credit. So thank him for the impossible situations because he's going to be honored. Go in peace. Love the Lord. Make a new friend on the way out. Have a great Sunday.